Well, so today's obviously Resurrection Day, is it not? We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what I thought I'd do today is a lot of times when I, when I do these kind of sermons and stuff, when I talk about specific topics like the resurrection, I talked about the benefits of it and what has happened because of it. But today I wanted to talk about the story behind the resurrection and for us to, to see the full, complete picture of what God's done. Obviously, this is going to be a whew, overview, fast, quick, rapid, insanely short compared to what's in the scripture, but this, this is what we're doing. So today, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and I was thinking about this, that the resurrection is, is an event that literally changed the entire world. It changed everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it, it just changed the in, whole entire climate on this earth as well as the opportunities that came. You see, the resurrection is the catalyst of life that we have in Jesus. We have that catalyst. He his life is the life that comes into us and gives us the opportunity to, to be born again. It's the assurance of, of the death that has no hold on those who believe in Jesus. You know, we don't have to fear death as believers. You know, we've said this many, many different times. You know, when we, when we die, we go directly into the presence of the Lord. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and so we don't have to fear death because we'll be in his midst. Of course, you say, well, why are you dying then? <laughs> but we're talking about when Jesus says we'll never die, he's talking about eternal death and separation from him. Those who believe in him will be with him. And so there's this, this promise to every one of us who knows him. And then here's the other thing. It's the guarantee that we will be raised from the dead and receive resurrected bodies that will last forever. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead and had a literal resurrected body that was amazing and incredible. And that could, you know, he, he popped into a totally closed door. You know, they, they were closed in, locked doors and everything. And all of a sudden, boop, there he is in the midst. Yeah, I always like that. Boop, right? Uh, my sound effects, uh, Suzette just loves them. She goes, can you talk without sound effects? Not possible. It, can, it will never happen. I always make noises and sounds and, and do things, and my grandkids even get a kick out of me because I walk around and make certain sounds and do things, and they can end it because they know what I do. But it's just me, just the way it is, right? And so that's how this works. But the resurrection of Jesus is, is, is incredible and it's amazing. But I think in order to understand the importance of the resurrection, we need to know the rest of the story. You know, we used to have the Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. And he always gives the behind the scenes. The resurrection was something that was incredible and amazing. But there's a whole story behind it that makes it even more incredible. And that's what we're going to look at very very, very briefly. And so I suppose the best place to start is at the beginning, right? So let's go to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And it says, In the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, this sounds kind of crazy, but it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so what we find out later in the book of John that Jesus is, is called the Word. Jesus is the Word. And so what we find out immediately is that Jesus is God. He's part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and God is something that's just is, is so beyond our, our comprehension of, of who he is, and even the spirit realm. We don't understand the spirit realm very well. And God dwells in, as a spirit. God is a spirit. And so this really makes it interesting for us to try to even figure this out. But what, what takes place is that Jesus Christ is God. He's not created. He was not born in the sense of being created um, from nothing. He always existed. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit always existed because there's some that teach those kind of things. But Jesus Christ is, is God, and that's who he is. And we have to understand that in, in, in the very beginning, being with God. And it says that in uh, verse 3 of, of John chapter 1, all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. So we see that all creation was through, through what? Through the word. Jesus is called the word. And guess what God did? God spoke. And Jesus is the word and the power of the Holy Spirit brought about all of creation. Everything we can see, everything we can't see. <laughs> because he created the visible and the invisible. You know, they have so many interesting stories in the scripture. One is, Remember where Elijah and they're they're surrounded by enemies and his his sidekick goes oh look look there's so many enemies out there and he says God open his eyes he opens his eyes and he sees these chariots of angels surrounding them and the idea is that there's more on our side than's on the, on their side and so there's this powerful thing where where God's created everything and it's through Jesus Christ that this came into being so the father son and holy spirit work together to bring creation and so then God said this let us the trinity make man in our image and so that's exactly what God did he created Adam out of the dust and it says he breathed life into him and he became a living soul and so adam becomes this living soul created by god very unique totally different from the animals he just called the animals into being but man he formed and shaped and breathed his life the life of god the very life of god and he was a living soul it says and so god gave adam control and authority over all the earth that was one of the things he wanted to do. God rules in heaven and on the earth, and he wanted to give man the, the authority over the earth. And now we know what takes place is that Adam rebels against God, and, and sin enters the world, and with it, death. Death comes spiritually, physically, relationally, every different aspect. You know, all we have to do is look in our lives and see anything that's... that's, uh, that's doesn't bring life in abundance and that is is a result of of the fall and of sin because 
when God restores things, it's going to be wonderful. It's just going to be an amazing world to live in when God does this. But when, when Adam rebelled against God, it opened the door to sin. And so God provides this temporary fix. And we know it's temporary because the Bible tells us that it doesn't work. Uh, it's just a temporary thing, and it's a, and it's a picture to show forth something later on. And so what happens is that God, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal, shed its blood, and then used its, its fur to cover their nakedness. And so the idea was, and what the scripture talks about throughout, is that life is in the blood, and that this life, this blood that was shed for them, this blood that was poured out of this animal, and the covered them and their sin was not counted against them because of the sacrifice that took place but we we know from the scripture that the blood of animals can never pay the price for a human being because humans are so far above the animals humans are not of the animals you do know that evolution's a bunch of silly stuff we come from God, we're created from God. And so this temporary fix, but it shows a picture and all throughout the scripture, God, God shows that, that there needs to be blood, there needs to be a sacrifice for sin in order for the people to be covered. So he starts the tabernacle and the sacrifices that are there. He, he brings in the temple now fixed in Jerusalem he brings that in, and the sacrifices go on year after year, but the book of Hebrews tells us that it never could satisfy, could never take care of it because there had to be a, 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 a only a human could die in the place of another human and take their place. And so this is why it's so important. So what happened now, because Adam sinned and, and the sin entered in, it, there there was a death that took place in his spirit, but there was a death that began to take place in his body, and it began to actually deteriorate. You know, when God first created man, he created man to live eternally, just like we're going to live eternally. We're going to have eternal bodies. The body was eternal, but sin brought forth death, physical death also, and the body begins to age and decay. You know, you got to think some of these guys lived like 900 years, 600 years, 700 years, 800 years. And God finally said, because of the wickedness of man, I'm limiting your life. <laughs> I'm giving you a shorter time span so that you can't perpetrate and, and continue your wickedness year after year after year. And so that's why we have kind of the lifespans that we have now. They're limited from, from what took place. But what happened is, because of the sin and because of the impact upon Adam, every single offspring of Adam, every sing single one who was born through a man, what I'm trying to say is that, that sin is brought forth from the man in, into the lineage. And so it says in Adam, not in Eve, in Adam, all sin. In Adam, all carry on and brings this destructive line. So that's a really important thing to remember. It's from the seed of man when it combines with the egg of the woman that, that brings forth life. But because the seed is tainted, it, it taints every single one of us, male and female. 
as far as being spiritually dead and unable to have a relationship with God. And so, so what happens is that God understood that there, there was a need for a Savior. The world needed a Savior. And so God was wonderful. God the Father provided Jesus. God sent his Son. So here's what it says in John 3, 16 through 18. You see, God sees the plight of the world. And it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It says, he who believes in him is not judged and he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that's John 3, 16 through 18. It's, uh, it's a powerful verse. It says, God's heart of love and compassion sent someone to save us, and that someone was Jesus. See, but God couldn't raise up. He couldn't raise up a savior through the lineage of Adam is impossible because someone who's already tainted with sin could never free another person from sin. And so that's why Jesus had to come. He did something that had never happened in all of creation. In all of creation. That's what we call the virgin birth. And so what he did is he came to a young lady named Mary, and the angel came and said, you are highly favored of God. Now some people, you know, some people teach that Mary was super holy and super righteous, and God made her special and unique from everyone else in the world so that she could carry Jesus. But she didn't have, he, he didn't have to make her special. He didn't have to, some say she's immaculate. In other words, she has no sin. And that's not scriptural at all because the word says that all of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned. And so Mary, because she, she didn't have the seed of a man from the line of Adam, could bear one who was without sin because it wasn't in the bearing that brought sin. It was in the seed of the man. And so this becomes really important is that God came the holy spirit came upon her that's what the angel said the holy spirit will come upon you hover over you and there's a miracle that was going to take place where in her womb in that egg all of a sudden the 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 very life of god came to life and jesus was conceived came to life but it was from the presence of god and it was from a miracle of god and so Jesus, just like every other child, began to grow and increase in her womb and, and began to, she had to go through the very same process that everyone else has to. Jesus was born. And so here's what it says. Um, he's not only born of a, of, of a virgin, but he was fully human. See, this is some teachings that others have too, is that Jesus was not like us. He, he was some special kind of creation. But God created within that 
that womb a, a human being just like you and me, except for without sin. He wasn't tainted. He wasn't spotted. He was perfect and without sin. And so he began to grow and he began to increase. And so here's what it says in the word of God. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so that this is, this is what we have, is, is Jesus is as fully human as we are. And yet we know, well, you say, wait a minute, you already told me Jesus is God. How can Jesus be fully God and fully man and still be like us? And it's because the scripture tells us that Jesus, everything he had as, as far as who God was, he limited himself. He didn't use any of it. He only was human, right? He, he was fully God, fully human, but he laid aside all of that and did not use that. And so he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So he didn't do anything on his own initiative, nothing. He says, I don't do anything on my own initiative. I'm only following the Father, just like you should be following the Father. And so I'm only doing what I see him doing. I'm only walking in his ways. And then, if you remember, before he started his ministry of healing and miracles and all the signs and wonders that took place through his ministry, he wasn't doing that in his own power. He was doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus was called the Anointed One, and that meant the Holy Spirit coming upon him. So the Holy Spirit coming and resting on him. And so everything he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he even says that. He's talking to the leaders, and he says, if I cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God is among you. And so he was saying, I'm not doing this on my own initiative. I'm not doing this in my own power. I am doing this by the power of the Father, by the authority of the Father, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he limited himself to be what we are. And so then the next thing that really becomes important in the life of Jesus is that Jesus absolutely, completely obeyed God. There was never a time when he den denied the Father. There's never a time where he turned away and did his own thing. And so Jesus was able to walk through this world. Even when he was tempted by the devil, he overcame the devil in everything. So he was without sin. So he walked this world as Adam should have walked. Actually, if you remember, Jesus is called the second Adam, and he's called the second Adam because the first Adam failed and brought death to everyone. Now the second Adam came, and it says that in the book of Romans that this second Adam, because he was without sin, he was able to redeem us and to purchase us and take care of us, and we'll see that in a second here. But he was able to come and save us and free us and deliver us because he was spotless. He had no sin, and so he could come and actually take our place because what had the only thing that could cleanse us was another human being. So Jesus was born as a human because only a human could pay the price for another human. So Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. I've, I've had this... This scripture I just has been in my mind for so many years since Evans Bible College 
And that was like um, 40 years ago, just crazy. How can that be? My goodness. But uh, certainly a while back. But when I was studying the book of Mark, they said that this is the pinnacle scripture in the book of Mark. Everything goes up to it, leads up to it. Jesus is, is coming, seeing the disciples, going through, doing signs, wonders, miracles, doing all these things. And he comes to the climax of the book, which says, I, the Son of Man, well, let's read it. It's up there probably by now. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So at the peak, so immediately after that, what you see is Jesus saying, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. The rulers are going to take me and they're going to hang me on the cross. I'm, I'm going to be put into a grave, but then I'm going to rise again in three days. It says the disciples couldn't understand this. They couldn't comprehend the concept of him coming to life. Even though he looked him right in the eyeballs and said, I am going to come back from the dead. I'm going to be raised again. They still didn't understand it. And many scripture tells us about that. And so Jesus came and said, I'm going to pay a ransom. I'm going to pay the price that will set you free. And that's his shed blood. I remember a long time ago, I read the book uh, by Chuck Colson. Do you remember who he is or who he was? He's, I think he passed away here a few years ago. So he was, he was called uh, Richard Nixon's hatchet man because Richard Nixon would give him jobs to do and he would do it and he was pretty, he was pretty to the point and he was pretty brutal. As a matter of fact, he made a lot of enemies on the other side and so he he ended up getting caught in the, up in the Watergate scandal that took place there for the breaking in that took, took place and all the cover-up. And so he was one of, I think, two people who served time. He was, he was put into prison. And when he was in prison, his, his son was really struggling and was with a drug problem. And so there was his one of his greatest opponents that was a that was a Democratic appointment uh, opponent that just hated him because of how mean Colson was and all this stuff and fought against him tooth and nail. But he found out that he had become a Christian, and so he he was a lawyer kind of a guy before he went to uh, to the Senate and all that kind of stuff. And so this this guy knew that there was a law where he was tried that said someone else could come and pay your penalty for you. They could actually, someone else could come and say, I want to go to prison for this person, and they would allow them. It'd be just like, you know, if, if uh, you know, let's say I got caught speeding or something, and I had a, you know, I was speeding really fast, and I got a $200 ticket, and I'm there at court, and I have no money. And they say, you're going to prison, man. You're going to jail unless you pay this. I don't have the money. And then Jerry decides to come in and say, here, I'll pay it for you. Well, the price has been paid. The penalty has been paid. And so they would say, you're free to go, and it's no longer held against you. And I didn't pay for it. That's the same concept. So they said, you know, in this Watergate scandal, all right, this has been done. This is, the, this is the term that you must pay for. This is your, you know, don't they say a payback society kind of a thing? Paid my dues to society. 
And so this guy says, I will go to prison for you so that you can get out and be with your son so that you can help him. And Chuck Colson said, no, I won't do that. He says, thank you very much for that, but I, I'm the one who did it. I'll pay the penalty. I'll pay the price. And so he stayed in prison for his remaining term till he was set free. And then, of course, he became a prison reformer from all the stuff that he saw in prison and did uh, prison fellowship and, and did all sorts of things through that. But here's the idea, is that that's a biblical principle because Jesus took our place on the cross. And this is, this is important for us to see. Jesus took your place on the cross. So he took your sin, he took your guilt, he took your shame, took your griefs, he took your sorrows upon himself so that we could be saved, so that you could be saved, so that we could come to God, so that we could be set free, so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we had the opportunity to, to have a new relationship with God and not be separated any longer. And to be more specific, he, he took those on the cross, but Jesus died for you. And that is something which is amazing and incredible. You just think of the love of Jesus Christ for each one of us, that he was willing to go through all that he did for us. And that's just a fantastic deal. But you know, when he died, remember when we die, we don't, our bodies die, but our, our soul and our, our spirits still exist, right? Our souls exist. So Jesus didn't just blink out, and he's gone, right? He didn't just blink out. Jesus, when he, uh, when he died, he entered hell, and it says that he took the keys of death and Hades, he took the keys of death in the grave so that death no longer has a hold of us. It says that when he went to the cross and shed his blood, since it was an innocent blood, it paid for the sins of the world. It paid for the sins of anyone who would listen, anyone who would believe, anyone who would respond and come in faith to him. They could be cleansed and they could be washed because of what he did. But there had to be this acceptance. There had to be this saying yes, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went in, into the, the tomb, he went into hell, and he took authority over all of the demonic realms. You see, Satan had a right over people. He's called the king of, the, king of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of, of the earth. He's, that's his role because of the rebellion of man. And so Jesus came to win that back and to turn that around. Because where Adam sinned, Jesus didn't. And where Adam failed, Jesus overcame and brought victory to every single person. Where death entered through Adam, life enters through Jesus. And so there's this powerful thing that takes place because of who he is. He went and he broke the power of hell. And then what it says is that when he came to be resurrected it says that god gave him the name above every name that at the name of jesus christ every tongue will confess every knee will bow on earth heaven and earth and underneath the earth so it's everywhere he's saying everywhere everyone's going to declare he is lord 
that doesn't mean everyone will respond to him and and uh, be saved, but it means that everyone has to recognize who he is because of what he has done. But Jesus now breaking the power of the enemy, taking back the keys of, of death and Hades, he raises on the third day. He rises on the third day. How I should say it that way. So he's raised from the dead. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he, he has a resurrected body. This body's not the same earthly body that he had. It's a resurrected body. We know he ate because he ate fish with Peter and uh, those by, by the sea when they were fishing. We know that, that people could touch him and that his, so his body we could touch because he kept, said to Philip, come on, come on, or Thomas, come on, touch me, put your hands through the holes. Put your hands in my side. Go ahead and do it. So we know that his body could be touched, but there was something to it. It was alive. It was resurrected. It was an eternal body, and, and that's the very same thing that we're going to have. But death couldn't hold Jesus in the ground. And, you know, we sang a couple songs about that. It's really cool. You know why death couldn't hold him? Because the power of death is sin, and Jesus never sinned. Jesus never sinned, so death couldn't keep him in the grave. The devil could, had no power over him. The devil had no right because he was a sinless one. He never submitted to the enemy for one moment. He always submitted to the Father. And so when he was in the grave, death could not hold him. And so he raised again. The life of God came into him, and he, he's alive. He's still alive seated at the right hand of the Father right now. But with his, with his resurrection is our hope of a resurrection. It's part of the promises of God. Do, do, do you know what, what the scripture calls Jesus? He's the first fruits from the dead. Now, other people were raised from the dead. You, you remember that, like Lazarus was raised from the dead, that young boy that was, uh, in, you know, there was a widow having a funeral of her son, and Jesus walked by, raised him from the dead. We know Jairus' daughter died, was raised from the dead. Some people on the day when Jesus was crucified, there was an earthquake, and some of the people came out of the tombs alive because of the power that was released through the death of Jesus. And so those people weren't truly, they didn't have resurrection bodies. They, they lived for a time, but then they died. They lost those bodies. But what the scripture promises us is that we will have resurrection bodies. Remember how that scripture talks about it in Thessalonians? It says, in an instant, right now, he says, when Jesus comes, there's going to be the shout of an angel, there's going to be a blowing of a trumpet, and all of a sudden, it says, those who are, are dead, you know, physical bodies gone, deteriorated come on you know what happens to bodies unless they're totally preserved by chemicals and those kind of things they disintegrate back into the earth dust to dust ashes to ashes we return to that but god just like he formed a body and breathed in it there's going to come those who have died those who have gone and who are in christ says they're going to be raised before us they're they're going to get there just an instant before we do yeah they had a head start. 
but it's it's okay. Well, I'm not going to be jealous if if I'm still alive and they get there a, a millisecond ahead of me. I don't care. But but just think, it says they're going to be all of a sudden from dust and bones and the things that are just there, nothing left. Those who have been cremated, those who have been in Athens, all the different things are going to be totally a new resurrected body. We're going to be raised from the dead for eternal life. Our souls are with God, our, our spirits are with him, but we don't have, we have a spiritual body while we're in heaven, while we're with the, the Lord. But when he comes, we're going to have a, a new body. And that's going to be great. It will never rot. It will never decay. It will never die. It will never carry sickness. It will never have disease because those things were conquered through Jesus Christ. And the only way for us to experience them and the only reason we don't experience it wholly and completely right now is because we need new bodies. Our bodies have been tainted by sin because of sin. But his resurrection is a guarantee of our resurrection that's why paul says don't don't grieve like people in the world when when believers die don't grieve because we're not without hope we'll see them again at the resurrection they'll be in the resurrection because the promise of G, you know jesus resurrecting himself is the promise for us that we will follow him and so Jesus offers salvation to those who believe through faith. Scripture says that we need to believe that, that he, Jesus was raised from the dead. We have to believe that he paid the price on the cross for us. We have to believe that everything he did purchased us and made us his own. And so... Jesus then offers us salvation by faith. I don't have this up there, but I thought might as well just read it in uh, Romans chapter 10. It talks about it. Verses, uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And so it also says in verse 13, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I believe that pretty much everyone in this room has made a commitment to Jesus Christ because I, I know us. I had a conversation. You say you're a believer in Christ. John, you're a believer in Christ, follower of him. And so we have this. But you know, I'm just thinking there may be some that are listening to my voice right now as you're listening maybe on the radio or those kind of things or, the, or through iTunes or whatever, and you need to come to Christ. I want to offer salvation to you because there's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. And it says that 
If you call upon him, confess that he is Lord of your life. And if you will confess with your mouth that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. So I just want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus Christ, to respond to him and say, Lord, I believe he'll hear you because he's everywhere. He'll hear you and he'll come to you. And so we just thank you, Lord, for this time together. And we thank you for the beauty of your resurrection. We thank you for the power of God that's manifest through that resurrection. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us. And you will quicken our mortal bodies. And so we thank you for that. We praise you for your greatness and your goodness. And we celebrate today the resurrection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this is our hope, that we will be with you, that we will have new bodies in Jesus' strong name. Amen? Amen. Amen.